Hey, and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxon, episode 61. This week, which property developments make the most money? A great interview with Bob Anderson, who as a developer over the last 38 years, has had plenty of experience in many different types of developments through many different eras in the economy and ups and downs. He, Bob and I discuss where he thinks the best money is to be made, and maybe you'll learn where you could go or maybe find an avenue you hadn't considered. But anyway, let's jump into episode 61, learning about which property developments make the most money. Hey, and welcome to episode 61. And today talking which property developments make the most money, but before we do, giving away a copy of the book, Property Millionaires Exposed, where all of these people talk about their favorite property strategy and which one they use. This is a great book. Bob just says head on, straight on over to episode 121. If you'd like a signed copy of this book, please comment favorably, send me an email, let us know, screenshot something, share it somewhere, and you'll go in the drawer. But hey, this week, our, inner, our winner is Alex Sparks. I spoke with Alex this week. Cheeky, he found a way to sneak into our closed membership, which is closed right now, but opening soon, relaunching soon, and it's going to be bigger, better, faster, and stronger. But anyway, Alex snuck in there. We've had a conversation. Alex, this book is on the post, uh, on its way in the post to you. And Bob, before we get started, well, I'll start with a thanks and then we'll come to our upcoming events because we've got some really cool stuff coming up. Yep. So first of all, thank you so much again for you know walking, Drop, dropping in, dropping in from uh, just passing by, from passing by from up the hallway. Yep. Thank you to the podcast room, and um, yeah, you're looking good today. Well, you're looking rather splendid yourself. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Didn't think you noticed. How could I not? How could you not? So today we're going to be talking which property developments make the most money. Because Bob has huge experience over a huge number of years. But before we do, uh, I will just take you through some fabulous events we've got coming up. Now, if you open our emails, if you're not on our database, we only send an email out on a Thursday generally. If you get an extra one, it's probably personal from me for some reason. But just keep keep in mind these dates. We have our free masterclass on the 1st of October. And that's where Bob, Bob leads people through the property development process and tells you about programs that we have. It is fabulous and it is a great way to understand what property development is about and if it's for you. So it is free. Of course, he's going to talk about a product at the end, but people come on it and absolutely love it. So that's October the 1st from 9 to 1 and that's online. We have October the 8th. We have our Brisbane property event and that's from oh, 2 to 5 and that will be held at the Colmsley. At the concert, yep, on the 8th. We've got our, our event on the 15th of October in Sydney and on the 22nd of October in Melbourne. If you want to learn more about those, feel free to, um, you can email or just open up our emails and register for those. Uh, they are great events. We ran them earlier this year. They were so popular. We had such fun afterwards, M- more fun afterwards. But bigger it, event after. It was a bigger <laughs> event after, but it was a great time and really good learning. So we've got some cool guest speakers that come along. It's a little bit next level. And lastly, we've got our three-day workshop coming up in the Gold Coast on the 
4th, 5th and 6th of November. We've been throwing a few dates around but it looks like that's where we're heading. It's going to be a doozy and you don't want to miss this one. So just different to our usuals, we're up speaking things a little bit. Uh, it'll be really worth coming along to that so look out for more information on that. Anyway, let's get started on Bob. Let's talk about get you. Get started on Bob. Let's get started on you. <laughs> Bob, talking about which property developments make the most money, and I know we're not talking about how big a development is and the cash you get back. It's your return on cost, your ROC. So can you define that? Yeah, yeah. So as you just said, you know, what property developments make the most money? Well, it'd be the biggest property developments, you know, maybe a 100-storey high-rise or something like that. But yeah, return on cost, ROC, sometimes called margin on cost. MOC. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, it's just a, a benchmark that developers use to look at the profitability of a project. So it's pretty simple. It's just the profit expressed as a percentage of the total costs. You think of the total cost of a project, everything. You know, land, consultant, council, finance, marketing, like everything, every cost, your profit as a percentage of all those costs is what we often call return on cost, the ROC, the margin on cost. Sometimes call the developer's profit margin, margin oh, again. Who mostly calls it that, Bob? Like when you say sometimes call, because I mostly hear ROC. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's why I was brought up, return on cost, yep. uh, ROC. Some people use margin as okay. a word, yep. but all good, same thing. Uh, and You can choose whatever you like. Yeah, so with... To the listeners. Yeah, with... Different types of projects, you can have slightly different ROCs. Mm. An old benchmark that people often throw out there is 20%. So that means that your profit is 20% of your costs. There are other parameters that we use as developers as well. There's another one called internal rate of return. Guess what? IRR. Oh, I, yeah, I was going there already. Yeah. <laughs> IRR. Uh, that, that takes into account your profit in relation to time. But uh, the old benchmark on projects that don't take too long is is return on cost, ROC. And I suppose that's just you saying that, Bob, the IRR. At the moment with um, the rate of uh, internal rate of return, with people uh, struggling, get, finding builders, finding, you know, tradies with this, the, how things are going out there, that might be impacting, and people might not have taken that into account. That could be a that could be a thing. Yeah, it's definitely a fact at the moment that uh, you know, with the uh, supply chain issues we've had, the trade issues, that mm. billing's taking longer. Uh, you know, we're involved in a number of upmarket duplexes, and builders want nine, ten, eleven months to do a duplex, whereas you know, five years ago we were doing five-story buildings in nine months. Mm. So, uh, but what does that do to a project? Well, obviously it that extra stretch adds some interest on, mm. on to it. Uh, it's not sheep stations, but, but it does have an effect. And so that doesn't you know, affect the internal rate of return, affects the ROC a, a little as well. Mm. Uh, that's why if you can manage to get an extended settlement on a, on a uh, site, that'd be great. If you could sign a contract and maybe settle after you've got your approvals, that'd shorten it up a lot. And that, and that helps those things as well. But yeah, so... ROC, that's what that's what we look at. We're looking at the ROC. So, well, so talk us through your favourite or, or what you've done and, and or what haven't I done? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, okay. Well, let's go. Well, yeah, I mean, I've developed. What, what actually haven't you done? Oh, well, hmm. 
have to think about that. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. serious. So, so, I mean, the standards are land subdivisions, townhouses and apartments. I guess they're the standard in the residential world. I've certainly done my share of those. I've uh, also done you know, commercial. I've done uh, office blocks. I've done industrial. And, and there's all types of industrial as well, of course. And mm. retail, which is shops, done all those. Specialised things. I've done you know, specialised uh, student accommodation. Um, yeah, all, well, even even, ho- even holiday stuff, really. I mean, not much I haven't. I haven't done a service station. Haven't you? No. Maybe is I should do one while, yeah. while I'm still standing vertically. Is, is, it on the, is it on the bucket list? No, it isn't really. But um, it's one of the yeah, it's one of the few things I probably haven't done. And oh, NDIS. I mean, you're you're doing that. Mm. So oh, so, oh, so I'm, I'm one up on you there. Well, how good's that? Well, someone has to do it in the family. Someone might as well be you. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, done, done all sorts of things. Anything from a two lot splitter to well, when I was with some of the big development companies, you know, 60, 80, 70 story buildings. So, uh, yeah, done lots. So, and your, yeah, well, who, generally, who has the best ROC? Well, it, it, it Oh, you went, just for those that are listening and not watching, he went to an arm fold. That's interesting. Mm. Ooh, is that the thinking? That's my like pondering. Oh, right. I haven't seen, or are you cold? I haven't seen you. Well, I'm a little bit cold as well. The podcast room is a little cold. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're talking about a small project, like a two-lot subdivision or a splitter, the return on cost can be lower than it. Because what, what's, what we take into account is how long a project takes, Time, yeah. how much uh, equity, how much money it takes, uh, and, and, and the size of it, you know. So, so the smaller the project, the quicker the project, the less capital intensive the project, you can get by with a, with a, a small ROC. Like you might do a, a two-lot subdivision and be in and out of it in, uh, you know, six months, mm. well, depending on where you are, probably not in Victoria. But there's plenty of places you can be in and out of a six-lot subdivision in, in, you know, within six months. But then if you're doing a four-townhouse project, it could be, you know, 20 or 24 months. But it's a bigger project. It makes more dollars profit. Uh, but you'd, you'd want a, a higher ROC as well because of the fact that there's more capital involved. There's a higher level of risk involved. It takes longer. But, um, like, something small like a two-lot subdivision. And, and you can look at a lot to find one that actually makes money. But... Hey, just a quick advert here. If you are interested in investing with us, we have an opportunity available right now. It offers First Mortgage Security. It is a great investment and we offer a earn and learn. So Bob actually takes you through what he's doing, which is a, a great way for, even if you're just interested, but if you'd like to learn. So as I said, First Mortgage Security, great for self-managed super, super fund. Minimum investment is $100,000. Um, if you're interested, please reach out below or you can contact me admin at propertymastermind.com.au. I talked about that with one of the mentoring students this morning. We were chatting about it. She said, I feel like it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And I said, it is. But there are needles in the haystack. But that's a choice you've got to make, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if it's only like a two-lot subdivision, that can go down, you know, 10% return on cost if Mm. if you can get in and out of it quickly, which you usually can. Yeah. And uh, but like you wouldn't do four townhouses on ten percent. In fact, you wouldn't be able to. The bank no, wouldn't no, no one's going to loan you that money. So well, maybe someone would. But. Yeah, but then you know you can take a step up. You can think about things like um, say duplex, and we're involved in quite a few of those. But duplexes, well, once again, they're they're a bit more capital intensive than a two lot subdivision because now we're building a building. Mm. Take a bit longer. 
as you just said, building's taking a while. And so probably in the range of around, you know, 15% return on cost for something like a good, decent duplex. That'd be quite acceptable. Yeah, so, or, or perhaps even, you know, take the two-lot subdivision a step further and let's say build houses. So you might do a two-lot subdivision, knock a house down perhaps, cut it into two lots, build two new houses. That, that could run around that sort of 15% mark a bit like a duplex as well. Because remember you can stage that development. So you, you buy, let's say you buy a property, you get an approval for two lot subdivision, knock the house down. You could build one house, you could then sell that house, mm. reduce your debt, and then go ahead and build the second house. So you don't have to build the two houses at the same time. Mm. That makes it a bit safer, less capital intensive, less equity in the deal. Yeah, that can work. And which can make it a lot easier for people who want to do it on their own, who don't want to use other people's money, who, Mm. who yeah, just want to be able to get started on their own. That is a great way to do that, isn't it? Yeah, and so we're probably looking at return on cost for something like that around fifteen percent. So some people then put the two together because it's like a two lot subdivision and a house build. Mm. And I've seen people where the first part of it, the two lot subdivision, if you did that by itself only and then sold the land you wouldn't make much it might be showing you know four or five percent so you wouldn't do that as a subdivision but if you then add a house build to it and you can switch the whole thing up to like 15 percent then that's okay because you're looking at you know two two parts to it the subdivision and the house build but overall if you come out you know 15 percent then probably worth doing bob i'm gonna ask i'm going to ask gonna such a terrible word my language crikey what, what is the difference generally in your experience, and it's slightly off piece, but I'm just interested, in the build time for single level to double level? Uh, well, everything's slow at the moment. Yes. Um, so but if people general, are watching this this uh, podcast in two years' time, we'll probably be back to normal normal speed again. But, yeah, uh, so we're... This uh, is 2022. What, yeah, what is it? It's August 2022. It's August 2022. So, so. don't hold it against him, no. like that lady that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just talking to somebody the other day, actually, who was in Victoria, in Melbourne, who's mm-hmm. doing a duplex, but they're doing low-set duplexes. So they, they had the choice of doing two two-storey or two single-level. Mm-hmm. Obviously... Uh, the single level is cheaper, quicker, sells for less. So you've got the IRR going on? Well, with, yeah, but it all, it all works pretty well because yeah. the two-storey one is more expensive, takes longer to build, and mm-hmm. sells for higher. But mm-hmm. the margin's about the same. I'm, I'm going to say or she. Or should I say the return on cost? D- d- which d- I'm guessing it's a she. she. What yeah, did yeah. she go with? She's gone with low set. She's gone with low set. She's, yeah, one, she, she's one of our go-getting uh, mentoring students. And the, the difference in build time... Mm-hmm was six months for the low set and nine months for the two-storey, according to the builder. Okay. Anyway, there you go. That's a current example. Can I ask what was her decision around that one? Well, the margin's the same. Yeah. Uh, she, she can, it's a first project. Yeah. So it's a good experience. You want to do it well. Uh, it's cheaper to do. There's less money on the table. Uh, mm. It's going to be easier to finance. She's going to have come up with the equity easier. Yeah. Uh, you're in and out of it quicker. Some people might say, well... You know, I mean, it goes both ways. Markets go up, markets go down. But some people say, well, get, get, getting in and out of a deal quicker is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but then if the market's rising, you haven't really gained a lot by getting out quicker. But no, for her, I think it's just less equity in the deal, a quicker turnaround. The market's just as strong. In fact, there's probably a slightly larger market on a low set because generally people, like, let's say, over 55 or pick an age, tend to... Uh, not move, me. Move away from That's it. me out of there. No, you're out of it. Uh, I'm not. Uh, that, that tends to, um, they tend to not like houses with stairs. Yeah. And so 
in effect, a low set house has a, has a higher number of potential buyers. Okay, interesting. Mm. And it's well located anyway, not that far from the beach, so it'll yeah. go well. Yeah, cool. And she's a legend. Absolutely. We like. We like Tanya. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we love her. She's done a great job. So, Bob, what about... What else? What, well, are, what other of, margins are we on? Yeah, we're Sorry. stepping up to townhouses, haven't we? We've yes. sort of moved past. And let's say something like a four-pack of townhouses, mm. probably looking 18 or 20% margin, keep the banks happy. Mm. And uh, so we're sort of we're rising up there, I know. And I think you just mentioned something there that a lot of people aren't aware of. Often these margins are required by the bank, aren't mm. they? Because mm. people often will say, well, you're still going to make $100,000. Why would you not do it? It is because the bank won't loan the money if that is the, the level of profit that yeah, you're making yeah. very often, isn't it? Yeah, well, once it comes to commercial finance, so that's when it's like more than two things, so bigger than a duplex. We're talking about a four-townhouse project. Retail banks don't, normal retail banks don't finance four-townhouse projects. You need to go to the commercial arm of the bank or a non-bank. And that's when the return on cost is important because they set a standard it's, uh, it, it's done by the valuer during part of the valuation, but yeah, it has to hit that margin. So if they're saying uh, for townhouse project in this particular postcode area, I want to see 18%, uh, then that's what you want to see. You might have a project that's showing 13% and it's showing you know $350,000 profit and you think, well, I don't Whoa. care. I just want the 350,000. I don't care if it's 13%. I'm happy with the 350, but the point is the bank's not happy. Uh, and, and unless you're using your own money, you're not going to the bank, mm. uh, you know, it won't fly. Little projects, maybe stuff, you know, ones and twos, that, or duplexes, that sort of thing, if you can get retail finance from a retail bank, they don't look at the return on cost. They just lend you a percentage of everything. So a little bit different. So we've got the four townhouses then sitting mm. at, at 18 to 20%. What about larger subdivisions? That would be the next step up? Yeah, it would be. We talked about the little splitters, but mm. moving into bigger ones, however you wanted to find bigger, you know, it could be like 10 or more, you know, once you get up. Not that they're big, 10's not big, but getting there. Yeah, look, absolute minimum of 20 probably. So some, some financiers like a bit, a bit more of a margin in uh, land subdivisions because... I mean, you know, financiers, as they do, they're risk averse. They're always looking at the worst case scenario. And the mm. worst case scenario is if they have to foreclose on a deal. Yeah. And the thing is that um, you can't rent land out. No. But you can rent a building out. I remember t you telling me this was one of your early rookie mistakes, wasn't it? Well, back in the day, early yeah. days developing. Oh, myself, yeah. yeah. Well, well that's, I learned it very early in the piece. Um, that's why I, at one point I, I did get. Uh, very early, you know, when the market changed and uh, I got caught with with a bit of a land subby. I got through there by the skin of my teeth, uh, but the things you can't, I couldn't rent out the land. Yeah. If I built some townhouses and I couldn't sell them, I can always rent them out. Yeah. And uh, when you consider that you're creating townhouses at cost and you're getting retail rent, mm. you know, the shortfall mightn't be much, particularly when interest rates are low. They weren't always low. Uh, back in the day when I started out, they were quite high. So but, how did you get through by the skin of your teeth? What did you do? To get through? Well, I ended up building houses on the land one at a time. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, that took a little while. Anyway, I got out of it. It wasn't a big subdivision, but that's what first taught me. Well, you can't rent land out. Mm -hmm. And I went away from land subbies for quite a while, but went back to them later uh, when I was quite a bit smarter than I was back then. Back in the day? It was very early days for me. And what's yeah. next after the, well, the... land subbies, yeah, 20, sometimes larger ones, 25% my return on cost, which you'd be looking at from... Yeah, and to make them sale financially. Mm. Mm. Um, what else would you do? Well, I suppose 
Um, you know, you've got things like apartments. I mean, small apartments. What's a small apartment in your Oh, yeah, you know, four-pack, six-pack, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. Walk-ups. You know, they're, they're similar to townhouses. They're sort of around that 18, 20% mark. Mm-hmm. When you move into larger town, uh, larger apartment blocks, financiers see them as, a, as a, definitely a higher level of risk. Mm. I think part of the reason is you can't stage the development on an apartment block. No. Like, let's say you've got a, a 50 apartment block. You can't rent out the bottom four floors as you're building the top ones. No, no, no. I mean, you could pre-sell the whole lot, but the, the bottom line is until you've built the whole building, mm. you can't settle on any of it. So there's no money back on an apartment block uh, until you've built the whole thing. That's, say, 50 apartments. Remember that atrocity, that huge building we saw go up in Brisbane, the green one, right mm. in the centre there? How many floors was that? Oh, it's about 20, 22. It, 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 it was very wide, which is what, you know, it wasn't super high, but it was very I, I wide. I still don't, is that, are they tenanted that? I think it That was weird. That was done by a Chinese development company. Yeah. And, uh, something went on there. Something went on there. Something funny went the on there. The first nine levels were car park, carless. Like there were no, no car, car park, single bedroom, no car park apartments. So obviously targeting, uh, it was quite central. So mm. targeting the either student market or just, Couples or I don't know what they people. targeted, but that thing sat around for a long is, time. Is, there, is there anyone living there yet? Uh, don't live near there anymore. We no. used to live near it. Yeah, we used to. We watched it go up. It was like, wow, how big is that thing? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was weird though. There's something strange there. But but back to apartment blocks. Like say you do 50 apartments, you got to build the whole 50. So yeah. that's pretty capital intensive before you send your money back. Mm. If you're doing 50 townhouses, you could do you could do five stages of 10. You could do three stages of you know mm. 17. Mm. Uh, and that 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 means uh, it's a lot safer, really. Yeah. Because firstly, you need don't need as much equity in the deal, so you don't need as much money. The loan's not as high. Yeah. And uh, and you can sell them in parcels. Like if you did say five stages of ten, which you probably wouldn't do. You might like to do you know three stages of seventeen or something. But you know um, you might only need from a from finance you might only need like five or six pre sales. Whereas if you're doing 50 apartments and, and they use the same percentage, you might need you know, 30 pre-sales, mm. uh, but a lot less capital. So staging, staging and development is a Not making help. it pretty on the inside. We're talking about getting yeah. it done, selling it off. Getting, yeah, and the same goes with subdivisions. Anything that's horizontal, like a land subdivision, townhouses, you know, retirement, anything like that, mm. you, where you can stage it, that's great. Apartments you can't. And so, you know, when you get into those larger ones, they're looking for 25, even sometimes 30% margin. Mm. Really? Pick. Well, they're at much higher level of risk. And what's Unless that? you can get like a, a super high percentage of pre-sales. Um, like, you know, financiers are just weighing risk all the time. They're valuing risk. That's what they do. Mm. And, and uh, so, you know, de-risking a high level of pre-sales, they might, might be prepared with a lower margin. Mm. Yeah. Next? Next on the on the list up? Well, industrial, commercial, all that sort of stuff. I guess that's what it. do that's they look for the, on the uh, for the well, ROC? You generally get a generally get a higher one. Like um, you see, commercial is very different from residential, of course. With commercial, what you're looking for is tenants. You know, if you're building offices, you're looking for tenants. If you're building industrial, you're looking for tenants. You're, you're building retail shops, you're looking for tenants. And so, in that whole commercial space. What we're doing is we're looking for tenants because as soon as we can lock tenants in, mm. uh, we've got an income stream and then the value of the property goes up a fair bit. Mm. Uh, sometimes, though, if a, if a commercial development's not done well, maybe bad location, maybe just not picking the market right, it can sit around for a long time mm. and uh, it'll just eat into the profits. With residential, generally, 
you know, if we had trouble selling something, it's generally not hard to rent. Hmm. You know, because the average, you know, vacancy factor is probably around two and a half, three percent. Not at the moment, it's super low, of course. It's below, you know, some places 0.6 of a percent vacancy. Hmm. But, you know, equilibrium is probably somewhere around two and a half to three percent. And that's for old properties as well as new. So if it was two and a half to three overall, probably new properties about one and a half. So if you had a new property residentially to rent, you'll rent it. Yeah. Uh, but not always the case with commercial. And so. And the thing with commercial is that, as well, they're less likely to, to just think, oh, we'll just rent it cheaper because that devalues the mm, property. Good point. Uh, I used to think all of the time, and it wasn't until you told me that I didn't know, uh, one of my one of my big learnings in property development. Why well, I was like, Bob, why don't they just rent it to you know anybody? Get money and like get it turning over. And he said, as soon as you lower that rent, you lower it because it's all based on the the rent coming in value mm. as the value of the property. Yeah, the va- the valuation is a what we call a multiplier or a cap rate of the net annual return. So you work out the net annual return, which is the rent less all the overheads. That's the net return mm. for different types of property, different locations, there's a multiplier of that. It, it could be, say, eight times the net annual return. Well, if you drop your rental down to put somebody in, eight times the lower rental, it you just devalued the value. So <laughs> that's what you often see with commercial. They'll give people like a rent holiday, they'll free fit out, you know, anything, but keep the keep the dollars rent per square metre up there. Yeah. And uh, and that's how that works. But um, So, look, if you can get a tenant in really quickly, I mean, the perfect world for doing commercial is to find a tenant and then build them a building so they go straight in. Mm. But when you can do that sort of thing, margins, you know, 30% or or more are are not uncommon. Uh, But it can bleed heavily uh, if you don't do it right. And that 30 can become like 15 or 10, you know, if if it's sitting there for a year and no, no tenant. So we've worked our way up. We've started off with subbies being 10 to 12%. We've gone to houses, 15 to 16, duplexes, mm. 15, townhouses, like four townhouses, 18 to 20, subdivisions, a bit larger ones, not, not mm. one to two. We've gone 20 to 25, large apartments, 25 plus. Then we've gone to, what was after well, the large commercial, apartment? Commercial being... 24 to the 30, NDIS? Well, it's very different, isn't it? Because you're involved in NDIS projects, so you understand it's a very high rental. I mean, they cost quite a bit to build because it has to be fitted out. Mm. And, and depending on the level of care that's going yeah, on. Yeah, there's, there's different levels of care, and ours is a high level of care, so it's yeah. a high expensive fit out. It's a very expensive fit out and a build, but then obviously the returns are very high. So it, it's, it's almost like commercial property, mm. something like NDIS, where... Uh, the value is more a multiplier of the net annual return, and the net annual return is pretty good. So, the, so with the multiplier, um, they come right up. Uh, so, so I mean, in pure return on cost, they're good. But the thing is, you know, if you develop those, you're probably more likely to want to hold them mm. for the cash flow. Mm. The same with other types of things. With um, oh, I mean, they're not as good, but even student accommodation. That, that's not just townhouses let to students, but but. You know, developed and approved as student accommodation. Mm. Do they have the same room? problem but when it comes to that with that turnover? I know NDIS is pretty much they put somebody in and they, that person stays there yeah. like for a very long time. But student accommodation, you've got that turnover, you've got that element of student. Is that a bit more hassle rent wise? Well, What's the payoff there? Yeah, yeah, it can be. But mm. um, what, what often happens is uh, a lot of overseas students, like, I was involved in one the other side of the road from a university. Uh, they were actually nine nine bedroom townhouses, and uh, each room rented for it was like ten years ago. Each room rented for three hundred dollars a week. 
uh, because you couldn't get any any uh, rentals on campus, uh, and you know overseas students loaded, mm. well their parents are loaded, they're happy to pay three hundred a week for a room, and uh, so imagine nine times three hundred for every townhouse. But um, but that was that was uh, approved as student accommodation, mm. and uh, with with much lower car parking requirements and that sort of thing. But where, where, where am I going with this? I can't remember your question anymore. Oh, the question, we've just gone up the road. We've gone up the, we've started at the bottom uh, and the yeah. next one, they are, what is the, oh, the next? Yeah, I think yeah. we're heading to the... To yeah, we're, we're getting away from, well, that's specialised sort of residential, I suppose, you know, yes. students, NDIS. Yes. They're the sort of things that you want to hold because of the big cash flow. Mm. And uh, I suppose, you know, you can, you can take it to the ultimate, I guess, which is, what do you, what do you think? Oh, both You know favorite. what I'm going to say. <laughs> Retirement, village, over 50s lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, the retirement sector. Yes, the retirement yeah. sector. That's a good way of putting it. Well, having developed virtually everything, uh, except a service station, Yes. Um, that's the best of everything. What is the REC on one of those? How do you even oh, work that out? Through the roof. People... You'd have to understand the whole modelling and the financial modelling for it to even make sense. But mm. if you if you sort of did a feasibility like a normal townhouse one, uh, it'd be it'd be north of seventy percent. Really? Yeah. Holy moly! Hmm. Yeah, and people can under- people can understand that because they try and compare it to what they know. They try and compare it to a townhouse development. Oh my god! And you can't because the whole modelling, the whole financial modelling of how it operates is, is entirely different. I'm right. not talking about the financial modelling on the development side. No. The development finance, it's, it, well, it, it's a bit different as well. But the whole financial modelling of, of how it operates, because when you develop one, you don't sell it, you keep it. Mm. And then, and then it's, it's what it's worth. So, yeah, look, not to I be d- confused I d- with aged care. I d- just, look at, just look at inside his head and I almost can see the cogs going around. There's so much in there. Mm. Honestly, we need to get it out and we, we need to put it in some sort of library so we can all access it. Well, we're sort of doing that at the moment with, a, with um, I'll tell you, well, you already know because you're involved a bit more about that, the earn and learn in the moment, but I first got involved in the retirement sector about 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, I worked for a, for a company. We, we developed about mm, probably about 12 or 13 mm-hmm. retirement villages. So I was a development manager there, did all that. And then left there, set up my own organisation, act as a consultant on, on various ones as well. I've written papers for banks on how to financially structure uh, debt in regards to uh, retirement villages. I've actually trained valuers on how to value them um, mm. you know, 20 years ago. It's my specialty. Uh, but um, it's something I love and I've always been involved in on the side. You know, Not too long goes past when I'm not involved in something to do with with something in the retirement sector. Not to be confused with aged care, which is very different. Which is all that drama that's on TV. Oh, you don't want to go anywhere near aged care. No, no. It's, it's very different. It's quite complex. It's it's managed, you know, but basically under the Aged Care Act of 1997. It, it, it's, you know, don't even ask me about that. I've been there once and I don't want to go back. But then within the retirement area, uh, there's, there's a couple of different types. You know, there's the Retirement Village Act in every state dictates that. It's often called over 55s. The financial structure is often a deferred management, which is very complex. Uh, but I like being a simple individual. I like I like simple things, and I like the land lease uh, model, manufactured home estate. And uh, well, you know, well, you're part of it. You're an investor in it, and you I am. you're also, you're also raising capital on it. Yeah, and that's the one we're doing in Tamworth on the Greg Norman Design Golf Course. It's pretty epic. There was, yeah, there, was, there was an ad earlier in this. If you're interested in investing, we take on investors for that, so reach <laughs> out. It is pretty exciting to, to watch it 
unfold, I suppose, mm. for me, because I've seen all of the other stuff and work with so many people now within property and obviously we talk property all the time, but but this is, it's definitely something that's been interesting to follow and yeah. watch fold out and yeah, just, just even having to hire a shop in the middle of a town to rent a shop to to build the, the small, uh, what do you call that? Well, it's a display unit. The, yeah, small, they build a little village that you look through the glass and then actually having the kitchen and bathroom set up, a house set up there for people to look at. There's just so, it's, it's just a very interesting thing. You don't get that on other developments, I don't no, suppose. No, it's, it's funny, and you know the story very well of how I came onto that particular project. Oh, yeah. Through one of my former mentoring students, Pete. Yeah. Who had finished the program about a year or so, and he, he somehow he latched onto this deal. And Was he looking for it, Bob, do you think? Oh, I don't know. It popped up. He, he thought he'd have a, have a crack at it and good on him. Mm. But um, the, the thing about the whole project is it's quite complex and he didn't have the experience, the understanding of it and, and capital intensive and he didn't have the money but smart enough he came back to me and I had a look at it. Um, I did some research, uh, made a few adjustments to what he was planning and moved ahead with it. Mm. And uh, I'm, the, I'm the primary shareholder in that development but but Pete is a minor, well, minor shareholder but, but enough to do extremely well. Mm. In fact, if he wanted to, just out of that one project and being a minor shareholder, he could retire but we don't. Pete's not up for retirement. He just wants to do more and more stuff. Pete's, but, like, Pete's like an every battery. Yeah, yes. He does not stop. No. But what that did is, uh, obviously, that's the project we're doing at the moment. It's between the 17th and 18th tees of a Greg Norman design golf course. It's a uh, what we call a land lease community. That's a type of model. So what we've done with our capital raising is, you know, quite quite a lot of people off our, from our community have invested in that. Mm. They're getting a good return. They're getting a return on their capital. So it's an investment where you get an interest rate return, a very healthy one. Great security for a mortgage. I'm standing like an ad now and it probably yeah, is. Yeah, that's right. There was one in there. Yeah, but anyway, um, the earn and learn, that's something special for us. Yeah. Where people that invest in it are actually teaching them about the whole process, about, you know, this whole retirement industry and how the modelling works, how the finance works, how the how the uh, financial feasibilities work, how to find sites, what to look for, how to do the due diligence, how to come up with a deal. Mm. Because what I'd love to happen, I'd like to create the next Pete <laughs> because through uh, educating the investors in there, mm. uh, if they can come up with a good deal and bring it back, um, yeah. You know, well, they can be the next Pete. They can be, and that's that's the sort of the earn and learn component, which I love to do. You know, I love to teach property development. You can't you can't uh, learn any of this sort of stuff about that particular product. You don't learn it at uni. There's no property development degrees. Yeah, it's very highly, uh, what would you call it, tightly held information mm. by the few developers that actually do it, and not many developers do it. So, do you know what I've learned from the process as well, having doing the capital raising. Because I work with people within the, our business, like the mentoring or the people I work with in property coaching, is just teaching them how to set up their property business, t mm. teaching them how to look, get how to approach investors, teaching them how to communicate with investors, how to be professional. I, I teach that all the time. I, yep. I am a business coach. I have been coaching for a long time, but now it's all in the property realm. And I'm having to do it myself because I'm doing the capital raise. Mm. And it's so interesting. Very yeah. interesting when, yeah, when you reach out to people and they say they're interested and really they just want the information and oh my goodness, I think oh my goodness, <laughs> it's the tire kickers. If you're listening uh, to, if you're listening now and you've been a tire kicker, 
come on, send me a I'm sorry Hillary text or, or <laughs> email. But it, is, it has been an interesting process for yeah. me to do yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Oh, it's really, it's so exciting. The, the whole, just watching the whole thing unfold, mm. being a part yeah, of it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, we're moving into construction now as well, so it's well advanced. Of course, yeah. You know, we've got okay. all our approvals, we've done the external works, and now we're into, into the site. Yes, been, been and visited. We've got a lot of, uh, got a lot of, I think quite a handful of uh, sales as well under our belt. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Mm. But anyway, let's go back to our... Yeah, so which property developments make the most money? Well, we've, let's go backwards then. So we've start with the most money is retirement, looking <laughs> at around best thing I've 70%. Ever found. Yeah. Well, bringing it back up pretty, yeah. is the NDIS and Well, that's, that's uh, somewhere in there, yeah. 24 pretty well everything else, is, every, everything else is like in the 20s or less. Yeah. You know, yeah, but you're right. Um, yeah, commercial, sort of mid-20s, let's say. Mm. Uh, apartment blocks, mid to high 20s. But, you know, probably not about not a lot of our listeners are doing uh, apartment blocks. No. So the normal bread and butter stuff that I think most of the people would be interested in who, who watch your podcast would be. I think we know, should just call it ours, but that's okay. The <laughs> probably you know small smaller like townhouse and apartment developments. You know that 20 percent mark. Mm. Uh, duplexes, which are very popular in that fifteen percent mark, and and even uh, and, and two lot subbies and houses similar fifteen. Mm. Uh, little subbies by themselves, hard to find a good profitable one, but like, you know, if you're getting 10% and you can move pretty quickly, that's okay. Because, I mean, the 10% could be still, you know, uh, $200,000 profit. Yep. You know, depending on where it is. I mean, we're not, you know, 10% sounds like a small number, but but in property development, something, you know, even a two lot subdivision, uh, you know, even if the lots are only $500,000 each and you did two of them, that's a million dollars, you know. It might be costing you nine to ten percent. Yeah, you're probably you know you're making at least a hundred thousand mm. uh, dollars. It's almost impossible to do anything in property development, however small and simple, to make less than a hundred thousand. Mm. And the thing is, somebody told me the other day, I think it's only like five percent of the population earn more than a hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Really? I don't know. It sounds weird. Maybe it's more. I think what happens when you uh, when we live in this world, we we only talk in big numbers, like we mm. talk in hundreds of thousands. I'm not saying we're you know whatever you earn what you earn, but our world is only speaking about big numbers all the time. Someone someone's visa come in, they're buying something for two point mm. three, or they're buying something for eight hundred, uh, and that just becomes your world. So yeah, yeah, you suppose you just kind of think, oh gosh, I suppose it's a different number. Mm. But if you did a splitter and made a hundred thousand, I'd be stoked. Well, it's a pretty low margin deal, to be honest. I know, but but, but if you were prepared to do a low margin deal and, and, and do a split and make a hundred, which you know, I don't know what that is, pretty low. Um, the point is, like the, the amount of hours in it, you know, mm. probably twenty. Yeah, see, it's not a bad alley rate. Yeah, once you've found the deal, mm. uh, it's really all over to a to a surveyor and a, and a lawyer. I'd be surprised if there's twenty hours working it for a developer. There you go. Uh, but if you can do 20 hours, make 100 grand, it's 5,000 an hour. <laughs> Crikey, there you go. It's, mm. more, it's, it's, yeah, it's more than, yeah. You, it's, you'll, spend, it's, you'll spend more than um, more than the 20 hours probably finding one that stacks up. That's that's another story. Yeah, that, that's that needle on the haystack. I did say once you've found one that stacks up. Yeah, there you go, Kim. We were chatting about that this morning. Hope you're listening to this one this week. Well, everybody, I think we've uh, chatted away quite a lot there about uh, return on costs, which mm. which property developments make the most money. I hope you've got a lot out of it. Uh, you've realised it's about the speed, it's return on you know, IRR, RLOC, all of that <laughs> stuff. 
A few more acronyms. LVRs. LVRs. No, we didn't talk about LVRs today. No. But anyway, just to remind our masterclass, 1st of October, the Brisbane event, 8th of October, Sydney 15th and Melbourne 22nd. They are just uh, two to five events. And then you need to be lining up and signing up for the three-day property event of the year. Extravaganza, party time on the Gold Coast. Oh, it's, it'll be fabulous and we'll be having a few surprises this year, so it's looking out for four Oh, that's your event everyone's got to attend. Yeah, it'll be Three days on the Gold Coast, dead set. Yeah, it's going to be good. And it's going to be fun. All right, people, that's the end of episode 61. Hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye now.